Hey friends, it's Heather here with another Heart Soul Mind Yoga podcast. Thanks so much for joining me this week. I just want to remind you that these podcasts are devotions that were written to be woven into one of my holy yoga classes. So there's going to be a couple pauses during some of the segments of the devotions. They're just about four seconds long. If you need a longer pause, go ahead and hit pause on your uh, phone or whatever device you're using to listen, and you can use that time to meditate or contemplate what it is we're talking about. Or if you don't need a longer pause, just hang in for a couple more seconds, and I'll meet you right back. So thank you again for joining me. I hope that you enjoy today's devotion. Today's devotion is titled, Your New Name. Revelation 2.17 Let the person who has ears listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give some of the hidden manna to everyone who wins the victory. I will also give each person a white stone with a new name written on it, a name that is known only to the person who receives it. I have two daughters, and I didn't name either one of them. I mean, not really. With both of my pregnancies, I had a list of 10 or so names that I loved, but my husband, thanks to his years as a school teacher, seemed to have a negative connotation with each one. We would flip through baby name books, never finding one we could both agree upon. My oldest daughter, Sage, was named by my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law had overheard this name at work and suggested it as a good option for her first grandchild. It felt so right we never discussed any other names after that. I knew that the meaning of sage was wise, and I knew that there was also a plant called sage, but the meanings of the name had no bearing on why we chose it. My second daughter, Macy, was named by a waitress at the melting pot. Our waitress was really friendly, and as we were chatting, I mentioned that I wanted to name our baby girl Lacey, but that my husband had nixed it. She suggested we compromise and name her Macy. I never even looked up the meaning of Macy until she was like three or four. I, I just didn't place a lot of importance on the meaning of names. But in the time of the Bible, great meaning was placed on names. Names were viewed as adjectives describing who a person is. Old Testament parents didn't casually adopt whatever name their waitress at the melting pot suggested. They chose the name of their child based on their physical attributes or their demeanor in their first days of life or even the circumstances surrounding their conception and birth. In those days, a name could be a gift or a curse. Maybe you're familiar with the story in the Old Testament about Esau and Jacob. Jacob and Esau were twin brothers, and their names were chosen to suit them. Esau's name means hairy, and apparently he lived up to his name. Jacob's name means supplanter or swindler, usurper. One who is a little bit devious and conniving and crooked. 
Jacob lived up to the meaning of his name time and again, stealing from his brother and tricking his father. When Esau learned of Jacob's theft, he planned to kill him, and so Jacob goes on the run. He leaves his home and he goes to live with his uncle, and is there at his uncle's home that Jacob gets a taste of his own medicine. Jacob is swindled and treated unfairly, and eventually he takes his wives and his livestock and all his possessions and he heads back to his homeland. Partially through his journey, he learns that his brother is on the way to meet him. Fearing for his life and the lives of his family, Jacob sends his wives and children and servants away to a safe place. And that night he turns to God, praying and asking that the Lord protect him and those he loves. That night, the Bible says that Jacob wrestled all night with a man. The man touched his hip and injured it so badly, Jacob walked with a limp. In the morning, before allowing the man to leave, Jacob demands a blessing from him. And the man blessed him, saying, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. God gave Jacob a new name to fit his new circumstances. God says to Jacob, your name of swindler and usurper no longer fit you. You are no longer defined by your past actions of trickery and dishonesty. You have wrestled with God, and as a result, you are no longer the same person you were. I'm giving you a new identity. This morning, set your intention on allowing God to show you your new identity. Allow him to define you, to choose which adjectives describe you. Ask him to show you your new name. One of the things that I find noteworthy in this passage is that God didn't just give Jacob a new name and send him on his way. He also touched Jacob's hip in a way that caused him to walk with a limp forever. You can look at this limp two different ways. You can see it as a punishment of who Jacob was. Or you can see it as a reminder of who he was. Each of us, before coming to God, before wrestling with God, participated in thoughts and actions that left us limping. Let's remember that the morning after wrestling with God, Jacob was supposed to meet his brother. His brother, who he thought was going to murder him for stealing his birthright. I think God purposely led a limping Jacob into that meeting as a reminder to Jacob that he is fully dependent on God. God has the power to heal us completely from our limp, but he doesn't always choose to do so. Instead, he leaves us with the physical or emotional limp as a daily reminder of our dependence on him. I had a bad day last week. I dropped the ball on something and 
as a result, I was running this loop of false narratives in my head telling me that I wasn't qualified. I wasn't good enough. I reached out to my Facebook friends, as one does, and asked if they had any tips to help me stop this broken record of negative self-talk. My pastor, Ryan Paulson of South Fellowship Church, reached out and wrote, Stopping negative self-talk is impossible if we are simply trying to stop it. It actually does the opposite, and we find ourselves thinking about it more. What has worked for me, and I believe it's the biblical model, is to replace negative self-talk, which are typically lies, with positive truth. Stopping negative self-talk is impossible if we are simply trying to stop it. It actually does the opposite, and we find ourselves thinking about it more. What has worked for me, and I believe is the biblical model, is to replace negative self-talk, which are typically lies, with positive truth. This positive truth is the new name that God has given you. It's all the adjectives that he uses to describe you now that you have stepped into his grace and salvation. You are no longer defined by your sins or who you are or what you have done. You are defined by his grace. You are defined by who he is. You are defined by what he has done. And even if you walk with a limp after your past life, don't try to ignore or hide it. Instead, use it to remind you of your complete dependence on God. Friends, thanks again for joining me. It is great to know that there's others traveling the same path of stepping fully into the life that God has for us. If you're ever in Denver, I'd love to see you at one of my classes. My class descriptions, dates, and times are located at www.heartsoulmindyoga.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at heartsoulmindyoga. And you can always email your feedback, questions, uh, prayer requests to heathernaroy at holyyoga.net. Wishing you grace and peace until next week. Bye.